Now, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 1. 2 Peter 1 verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious, like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now I hope, I hope we've brought our minds into the passage here. I hope we're understanding what Peter is telling us right now. He's talking about us becoming partakers of God's nature. And he's, he's about to lay out for us the process that has to take place for us to reach that point. And that is the will of God for us. That we get rid of this old carnal nature and that we be infused with the divine nature. That's the will of God for us. And so he says here in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, now look at this, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things you shall never fall. Man what a promise. Now, you know, there's a teaching out there called eternal security. And, and it says once saved, always saved. We don't believe once saved, always saved. But this verse does speak of eternal security. If you do these things, you shall never fall. That sounds like to me you're eternally secure. But notice it is conditional if you'll do these things. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to fall, Brother Goff. I don't want to have lived all these years. Next year will be 50 years that I have had the Holy Ghost. And I don't want to have served God for 50 years and then fall. Well, I have a guarantee here in the Scripture that there are some things I can do. And if I'll do those things, I don't have to worry about falling. And so he says, give diligence. Give diligence to make your calling election sure. If you'll do these things, you shall never fall. And so tonight we're going to try to bring a conclusion to um, a series that, like I said, we began it's been over a year ago. I, I didn't think to check the dates, but it's been quite a while back that we started this. We simply titled this series, Add to Your Faith. And tonight we're going to add the very last ingredient here, and that is charity. So add to your faith charity. Why don't we put our Bibles down, lift our voices, lift our hands. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord for just a moment. Jesus, I 
love you. God, I praise you. I worship you. I thank you, Master, for your goodness. Almighty God, I pray, help us tonight. Help me, oh God. Use me, God, for your glory tonight. Help me to feed the flock of God. Lord Jesus, I pray, anoint my lips, my mind, my heart, my spirit. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Um, so let me, let me try very quickly because we're already running out of time. Let me try very quickly to just do a brief review. There are some things here that the Apostle Peter tells us that we need to add. This is, this is a command from Peter. Uh, he, he doesn't say pray that God will add these things. He says you need to focus on adding these things. Now some of them are going to come through prayer. Some of them are going to come through fasting, through study, through, through dedication, consecration. Uh, but, but, but understand that it is clear in this passage that the responsibility for pursuing these things is ours. Unlike the fruit of the Spirit, which is the natural outcropping of receiving the Holy Ghost, these things are things we're going to have to work on. They're things we're going to have to focus on. That this is what I've got to fix in my life. Now, the other thing that you've got to notice in all this is the way this is worded. Peter specifically gives us a step-by-step process. He doesn't just say, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, and so on and so on. But, but he, the way it's worded, he said, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. So if you look at this, what you see is that it's, it's line upon line. It's layer upon layer. He's telling us the first thing, we start at the point of faith. God has given to every man the measure of faith. If we didn't have faith, we wouldn't be saved. We've got faith. And so we start there. We start there. But, but we've got to go beyond that infant stage of faith and grow up into Christ to become mature in him. And this is the way Peter said we're going to do it. We're going to add these things step by step. All right? So, so we talked about it. We've spent at least one week on each of these characteristics. Uh, he said add to your faith virtue. And we define virtue uh, as, as integrity or doing what is right regardless. You don't do it because somebody's watching. You do it because it's right. And, and I, I don't have time to teach these lessons. I really hope that we can get this series up quickly so that those that have not heard it can go back and listen. It's important that you understand there is a reason why the very first thing that we add is integrity. Because there's other things that come in this list that if we don't have integrity... We try to add it to our faith. We can, we can find ourselves in trouble. For instance, he said add to uh, your virtue or your integrity, add knowledge. And I'm going to tell you there are some people who gain knowledge that don't have integrity. And without integrity, they take that knowledge and, and they use it in a harmful manner. This is where integrity keeps us from doing things like that. And so, first of all, add virtue or integrity. Then add knowledge. And that is the acquisition of enough factual evidence to establish your convictions with certainty. See, here, here's a problem. Here's a problem. It's a problem in the apostolic Pentecostal movement, and it has been for many years. And that is, for years, men have just got up and preached, this is the way we should live. 
and people have no clue why. And, and for years, they just did it. They just did it. But now, now we're living in a generation where people say, well, I want to know why. And unfortunately, there hasn't been enough teaching on a broad scale for people to know why. Hallelujah. And so that's, that's part of the reason why we're making adjustments to the podcast over the next few weeks because I'm working on this whole book on understanding separation. Uh, I want the apostolic movement to understand why. I, I, I just believe people are, are much more willing to do what they understand. And there really is a reason why we live the way we live. There's a reason for it. Amen. And we need to gain that knowledge. We need to have enough knowledge to be able to establish convictions this goes beyond just obeying what's preached across the pulpit, but having a conviction in your heart. All right? And then he said, add to your knowledge. Once you've got faith, you put on top of that some knowledge. Then he said, add temperance, which is the observance of moderation or self-control. Oh, Jesus. How do I get through all of this in 30 minutes? Uh, but uh, if there's anything we need in the apostolic movement today, we certainly need some self-control. We need self-control. Well, praise God. Then he said, add patience, which is learning to do your part while trusting in God to take care of what you cannot do. And, and we talked about all this. There's a whole lesson, at least one lesson. I don't know, I have to go back and look, but at least one lesson on patience. Uh, James is where we drew this from. And James said, consider the husbandman, which is a farmer. He said, you want to learn about patience? Look at the farmer. Farmer doesn't just go into the farmhouse and pray for there to be a crop. The farmer goes out and he tills the field and he plants the seed and he works that field, but he also understands he can't make it rain. And he can't make the seed germinate. There are some things he has to trust God to do, but he can't expect God to make seed germinate if he's not prepared the soil and planted the seed. And so patience is not sitting back twiddling your thumbs, waiting for a result. Patience is actively working on what you can do and trusting God to do what you cannot. All right, and then he said, add to your patience godliness. And that is living a holy life that exhibits praise to God. And again, here's where, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just telling you, church, there are many, many churches, conservative apostolic churches, that put this way ahead of some of the other things we've talked about. And they put godliness even before integrity. And what happens is you've got people who look the part. They got long hair and long skirts and long sleeves and long tongues. It's the truth. And, and, and all kinds of other problems on the inside when you move godliness to the head of the list. Now it's on the list and it needs to be there. But there's a whole lot of other things we need to get straightened out first. This is why I've said, and we'll take this opportunity to say again, when new converts come, and they're coming, they're coming. When they come, please don't try to straighten them out. Please don't try to line them up. Please don't try to tell them how to dress, how to look, how to act. Leave that to the pastor. You just love them and love them and love them and love them. And uh, don't forget, it took you some time to adjust too. Hallelujah. All right, I got to move. I got to move on. So, so don't, 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 try to, don't try to move this up the list here. This, it's got to be there, but, um, but it's got to be based on some other things. And then, and then the last 
thing that we dealt with, uh, he said, add to this godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. And uh, uh, this really brotherly kindness in the book of, of uh, Second Peter here is one Greek word, Philadelphia. It's one Greek word. And, and that word means brotherly love. I'm not sure why the King James translators wanted to, to use the word kindness. I mean, that is a part of love. But really, Philadelphia is it's a compound Greek word. Uh, phileo is a kind of love. And then autophos is the Greek word for brother. And so you're putting those two words together and you come up with brotherly love. And, and that's what this brotherly kindness is. It is the display of familial or friendly love to one another. And, and uh, we didn't finish that lesson. Uh, I, I had intended to come back and, and finish it. But when I got to looking at my notes, I said, you know what? I got enough. We got enough. We're just going to move on so we can put the rest of this to, to rest. And we'll have it all covered. And uh, so I'm not going to go back and try to finish that lesson um, we'll, we'll leave it as it is. So if you do listen, you, you'll hear me say that we're going to pick up uh, next time, and then you come to this one and say, okay, where's the next time? Well, this is the next time. This is all you're going to hear about it uh, before we finish this out, all right? So there is no next time for brotherly kindness. We're just going to move on to what has to be added to brotherly kindness. And this is what's interesting. I want you to notice here, if your Bible's open, this is Bible study time. Praise God, hallelujah. Glory to God, thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, that's it. Quickly, quickly, that's it. I'm watching, I'm watching. Uh, get your Bible, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. And, and here's what I want you to notice in this is what Peter said. Now, remember what I just told you. He says, the King James says, add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. But let me tell you what the Greek actually says. The Greek says, add to uh, godliness, Philadelphia, brotherly love. And to brotherly love, add agape, which is another word for love. And so here's what Peter, he tops all this off by saying, add to your love, love. Well, praise God, that's what he's saying. Now we're going to talk about, there's a difference. We're going to talk about that. But, but I just want you to understand as we get started here tonight, and I am watching the clock. I'm watching diligently. Um, but, but I want you to understand that he is closing this out in all of these things that we add. He gets to a place. He said, now I want you to add brotherly love and a brotherly love. I want you to top that off with another kind of love. So just let this love continue to grow deeper and, uh, and, and that's what's got to happen, all right? So, so let's talk about this for just a moment. Uh, this Greek word agape, agape, uh, you've probably heard the word. You've probably been in some of these bookstores and seen it, uh, you know, on various signs or whatever. Um, some of you may have thought it said agape. Um, it's what it looks like, uh, but, but uh, it's actually agape. And, and it, comes, uh, it comes from a Greek word that really means to love much. To love much. But when we, when we start looking at agape itself, when we compare agape with phileo, which is that part of Philadelphia we talked about, when you compare agape and, and phileo, You've got to understand that agape is much wider. It is much deeper. It embraces the judgment, the deliberate assent of the will as a matter of principle, duty, and propriety. Now, now listen to me. Here's where we've got a problem. Because in English, we just have the word love. And we use that 
in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, I love my dog, and I love Mexican food, and I love my wife. Now, I hope that if you say those things, you're not meaning the same kind of love in every case, but we're using the same word. Now, to the Greeks, they didn't do that. The Greeks understood the nuance that's involved. And so they had a different word for each kind of what we call love. All right, they had, first of all, they had eros, which is how we get our word erotic. Eros is a carnal desire. It is lust. That's, that's eros. And, and really, if I could put it this way, the best way to, to, to think of this term eros, it is, I love you because I want you. Then you've got phileo. Phileo is brotherly affection. And, and the, the idea behind this is, I love you because I need you. We've got to work together as brothers. We, 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 we've, got, we've got a common goal. We are brothers. We're sisters. We, we've got a common goal. We've got to work together. And so I love you because I need you. All right? But then you get to agape. And agape is a sacrificial devotion. And what agape says is I love you without cause and without need for reciprocation. In other words, I love you if you never do anything for me. I love you if all you do is stab me in the back. That's, that's a kind of love that, that goes beyond what is within our human ability to create. And so I'm here to tell you that only the love which God has and which God gives to man can come under this heading of agape. We can't generate agape on our own. It's the love of God. Listen, listen, I'm going to go through some scriptures and we're, we're limited on time, so we're going to have to try to go through them as quickly as we can. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now think about that kind of love. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Amen. While we were yet sinners, not because we were doing right, not because we were trying to impress him, not because we were trying to live a righteous life, but he loved us while we were still sinners. In fact, John 3.16, many of us can quote it, read. For God so loved, God the, world so loved the world that he gave his, that only, he begotten gave son, his only begotten that son. Whosoever, whosoever believeth, believeth in him, him should, not, should perish, not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, this is what agape love does. Agape love causes you to give. Eros and phileo cause you to want to receive. But agape says this is all about giving. You understand he died. Oh, I feel this tonight. He died for the entire world knowing full well that there would be a minority that would appreciate that love. He loved the very people who spat in his face. He loved the people who drove the crown of thorns deep into his brow. He loved the people that used the, uh, the cat of nine tails and ripped the flesh from his back. He loved the soldier that drove the nails into his hands and his feet. I'm telling you, that's love that goes beyond what we can produce. And his love caused him to give even when he knew that for the most part he was not going to receive anything in return. Oh, hallelujah. Now it's that kind of love that God really wants us to have for one another. 
First John, First John three sixteen. Hereby perceive we the love this of God. This is how we know the love of God. Because he laid because down, his, he life laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. we ought to lay down our lives. Oh, I wish I had another hour. I'm telling you, I know you don't, but I do. I'm telling you, this is this is what God wants for his children. He wants us to have the same love he had. And his love said, go ahead and rip my back open. I'm not going to talk about you. I'm not going to run you down. I'm not going to say bad things. I'm just going to love you. I'm going to give my life for you. Come on, we come to church and somebody doesn't shake our hand and the next thing you know, we're upset and we're mad and, and, and we, you know, we, we, we just can't figure out why they want to treat us so bad. That's not agape. That's not agape. Agape says you may hate me, but I still love you. And I love you enough that I'll do whatever I've got to do to help you. We can't generate this church. I'm telling you, God's got to give us this. Hallelujah. It is this kind of love that we are really commanded to have toward God and toward our neighbor. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love now listen, the Lord thy... Now listen, he said, thou shalt, and the word there is agape, thou shalt love the Lord thy, thy God, God with, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This oh, Jesus, help me tonight. I'm going to tell you, this kind of love says, oh, it may be bad weather outside, but I'm coming to the house of God. There may be problems out there, but I'm going to pray. I I'm not going to turn my back on him. I love him with agape love. I'm going to keep on. This is the kind of love that Job had when he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I've seen too many that said, if God will heal me or if God will do this or if God will do that, then I'll serve him. Somebody told me of a backslider made a statement. Uh, they had a relative that was dying. And, and they said, said, we don't understand why God didn't heal that relative. Because this backslider prayed and said, God, if you'll just heal this relative of mine, I'll, I'll come back. I'll get back in church and serve you. I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't owe that to anybody. He's already laid down his life. You ought to love him whether he heals your relative or he takes your relative. Whether he heals you or he takes you. You ought to love God whether he blesses you or you struggle to put food on your table. You ought to love God. That's what agape does. Thou shalt love, that word's agape, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And then he said... This is the first and great commandment. Uh-huh. And, the, and second the second is like, is like unto, unto it. it. Thou, thou shalt, shalt love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. As thy and guess what? It's agape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to have this kind of love. Let's, let's just read a few verses here. John 13, verses 33 to 34. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. I'm only with you a little while longer. You shall seek me. You're going to seek and me. And as I said unto the Jews, uh -huh. whether I go, you cannot come. Right. So now I say unto you, yes. a, new a new commandment I give unto you. I'm, I'm giving you a new commandment. I'm giving you a new commandment. What is that new commandment, Jesus? That ye love one that another. You, that you, and the word is agape, that you love one another. As I have loved you. Listen, church, this is the way we've got to feel about our brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. We've got to lay aside every difference. We've got to lay aside, amen, whatever qualms we've got with somebody and get to the place that as he loved us, we love them. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. In fact, it's not just our brothers and sisters. And it's not just our neighbors. Hang on. Buckle your seatbelts. We're about to hit a little turbulence here. Luke 6 and 35. But love ye your enemies. Oh, that's agape. 
love not just your brothers, not just your neighbor, your enemy. In fact, he, he, he demonstrates for us that this is agape as he goes on and he says, and do good, do good. And, lend, and lend, and hoping for nothing Don't even again. hope to get anything back. And your reward shall and then be your great. your reward's going to be great. And you shall be and the children of the highest. And then you'll be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Do you know the sun rose this morning on people that have been cursing God all week long? But they still got sunshine today. They had the same beautiful weather today that we had. Well, I'm telling you, God's just as kind to the unthankful and to the evil as he is to us. And he's our example. This is what he wants us to do. How he wants us to respond. See, it's that kind of love. It's agape love that causes us to obey God. John 14, 15. If you love me, Keep my commandments. If you, and the word is agape, if you have agape love, you're going to keep his commandments. These people who don't want to do what the scripture says, I'm going to tell you where the problem is. It's a love problem. It's a love problem. That's where, that's where the issue is. It's a love problem. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, gotta, I, don't, I don't have time to go into all this. We're going to have to let the scripture speak for itself tonight. Uh, John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth uh, he me. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one that loveth me, agape. And Read. he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, mm -hmm. and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Yes, 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 yes. And then verses 23 and 24, same chapter, John 14, 23 and 24. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man if love me, a man love me he will keep my he'll words. keep my words. And my father will love, father him, will love him. He will come unto him yes. and make our abode with him. Verse 24. He that loveth me but not, if he doesn't he not love my me, sayings. He's not going to keep my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine. But the fathers which sent listen, me. Listen, listen, and I've got, to, I've got to hurry through this. I don't really have time to, to hit on everything that's here in my notes. But, but, but listen to me. Agape love, agape love is going to make us care about our brother's convictions. Amen. Romans chapter 14, verse 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him with thy meat. For whom Christ died. All right, now, 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 now listen. I want to, I want to look at this verse here. I am going to take a moment because I want you to understand. Again, we got a problem looking at this the King James language here. I want you to understand what's being said. If your brother be grieved with thy meat, now he's talking about. You know, there were some people that were offended. At people uh, would eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols, and some folks were offended by that, and other folks didn't bother them. They said, well, the idols, nothing. It's not really even a god. Why should it bother me? I'm not convicted by that. I'm just going to go ahead and eat the meat. And, and, and Paul says, if he's grieved by what you're doing, and you just keep doing it anyhow, he says, now walkest thou not charitably. Now, the word charitably is actually two words in the Greek. It is kata agape. Kata agape. Now, I've explained what agape, what, what agape means. Kata means according to. So here's what he said. If your brother is grieved by what you're doing and you keep doing it, you're not walking according to agape love. You're more concerned with your own freedom than you are with what may cause your brother to stumble. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. All right, so, so and, and, and we could go on. Uh, I've, I've got to hurry. Uh, let's, let's skip over this because the next passage is just another one. Uh, you, if, you're, if you're taking notes, Galatians 5, 13 to 15 just confirms what I read in Romans 14, 15. I don't have time to read every one of these. Agape, agape, listen to me. If you've got agape love, if you've got this kind of love, let me tell you what it'll do for you. First John chapter 4, verse 18. 
There is no fear there in love. There is no fear in agape. But perfect love casteth out perfect fear. Perfect agape casts out fear. Because fear hath fear torment. Fear has torment. He that feareth he that is, feareth not, made is not made in perfect love. in agape. Here's what he's telling us. When we really have this kind of a love for God, we're not going to be afraid of tomorrow. We're not going to be afraid of what somebody else is going to say or do. We're not worried about it because we have absolute love for God. And he's the only one that matters. It's this kind of love that really signals real spiritual maturity. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Yes. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, yes. so also, so do, also ye. do you. And above all these things, above all put, these on things put on agape. Which is the, Which bond, is of the bond of perfectness. Now, he says love is the bond of perfectness. Now, let me, perfectness is translated from a Greek word which simply means perfection or completeness. So, what, what the apostle said here is that agape love is the bond of that brings us to perfection or to completeness in Christ. You know, Plato said, let me just read this very quickly. He said, two things cannot be held together without a third. They must have some bond of union. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying. That all the things that need to be present in our life, the one thing that's going to hold it all together all these things we've been adding up until now, the one thing, the bond, the glue, if you please, that's going to hold it all together is agape love. That's what's going to hold it together. Amen. I know it's 9.01, but would you believe I have gone through basically four pages of notes. So I'm moving pretty quick. So I got one more page. We'll get it done very quickly. But this, this last page is important I want to show you something. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 21. We've talked about this before, but, but it is important. I could not discuss agape love without discussing this. Um, John 21, verses 15 through 17. Read. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Mm -hmm. And he said to him again the second time, Simon, the son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. Yes. He said unto him the third time, Simon, the son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. All right, now a couple of things that we need to see in this. First of all, I would just remind you, how many times did Peter deny the Lord? Three times. How many times did the Lord come back and ask Peter now, do you love me? Three times. I don't believe that's a coincidence. But yet there's something even deeper than that. Look at this passage. He says here in verse 15, when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter. Now remember what's going on at this point. Jesus has appeared to them, but Peter had made this statement, I'm going fishing. The very thing he had given up, what he had laid down to become a disciple of the Lord, he's now returned to. And they're standing now on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. And their fishing boat is right here. And their nets are right here. And when Jesus says, lovest thou me more than these? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us what he's asking about. But I think, Brother Nelson, that I can pretty well guess. Because they're standing here looking at the boats 
and the nets. And that's what Peter had just returned to. In his moment of despair, he went back to what he had left. And so I think the Lord is motioning to the boats and the nets, and he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, here's something else you need to know. When he asked this question, he said, do you love me? And the word there is agape. The self-sacrificing kind of love. Do you have agape love towards me, Peter, that exceeds your desire for all of this? And Peter looked at him and said, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. But he did not respond with agape. He responded with phileo. Brotherly love. Lord, you know. I mean, how can he say, I love you sacrificially when he's just stepped off of the boats he's returned to? Lord, you know. I love you like a brother. You know. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. So Jesus looked at him again and he said, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? And again he uses the word agape. Now this time he doesn't ask, do you love me more than the boats and the nets? He just asks, do you love me with an agape love? So he's kind of toned it down, you understand. He's... he's He's giving Peter a little leeway here. Peter responds to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And again, he uses phileo. He still could not make that kind of commitment. And so the third time that Jesus asked the question, He does not ask the same question. It looks that way in our King James Bible, but he's not asking the same question. In the Greek, the third time that Jesus asked the question, he looks at Simon Peter and he says, do you love me? And here he uses the word phileo. He's just brought it down. Can you really, Peter, just make that commitment to me? I've, I've, I've given up on the boats and the nets. And just ask about agape. You haven't been able to answer that. So I'm just asking you now, do you really love me with a brotherly love? And Peter responded, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. Now now listen, I think it's important because the Bible says that Peter was grieved because he said the third time. When we read this in, in the King James, it sounds like he's grieved because Jesus just keeps asking the same thing. I don't think that's what's going on at all. He's grieved that Jesus had to lower the standard. He's grieved that He's not able to look at his Lord and say, I love you with an agape love. And so he said, Lord, you know all things. And you know I really do love you with a phileo love. Now, now, you know, I I could dig deep here right now. I'm not going to. I'm going to try to bring this thing to a close. But we've got to ask ourselves if the Lord were standing looking at us, is there something he could point at? And say, do you love me 
with an agape love that supersedes these. Fun, entertainment, your career, friends, family. Do you love me more than these? And could we say tonight, Lord, I love you with an agape love that I'm willing to sacrifice anything and everything. Or would we have to say, I love you with a phileo love. How much would Jesus have to lower the standard for us before we get too critical of Peter? Now let me tell you something. Peter couldn't generate agape love. But you understand that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So you fast forward a few days and Peter's in the upper room. The Holy Ghost is poured out. I'm telling you, there's a different man there now. He's willing to go to prison. He's willing to be beaten. He's willing to be crucified. Something's changed now in Peter. And do you understand now why Peter, as he gives us this list, and he says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and he gets up here, and he says, and then you got to add to your godliness, brotherly love, but add to your brotherly love, agape! Don't stop with phileo! If anybody, if anybody could speak to that, Peter could. He tells us, don't be satisfied with just loving him as a friend. Musicians, you can come. Don't be satisfied with just loving him as a brother. We need a fresh baptism of agape love. Whatever you ask, Lord. Whatever you want, Jesus. You are more important to me than anything and everything. No wonder, no wonder Peter said what he did. Second Peter 1 and 8. For if these things if be in, these you, things and be abound, in you and abound, they shall make, make me... You. Ye, they make you that you shall that neither, you be barren, neither be barren nor, nor unfruitful, unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Peter Christ. Peter knew what he was talking about. Peter had walked that path. He knew what it was all about. He understood. There was something I was lacking pre-Pentecost. But if you'll get a hold of this, you won't be barren. You won't be unfruitful. And then in verse 10, he says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give brethren, diligence to give make your calling and election sure. To make your calling and election sure. For, for if ye do these if things, you'll do these things, ye shall never fall. If you'll really fall in love with him. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. Come on, can I get a witness tonight? I'm telling you, if you really fall in love with him, this is why some converts, new converts, never make it. They come to God in despair. They come to God because of problems, but they never fall in love with him. I'm going to tell you what's going to keep you is not that he gets you out of some situation. What's going to keep you is when you fall in love. I've said many times, I've watched, I've pastored long enough, I've lived long enough to watch couples that have been married 50 years, 60 years. One of them may, may, may be uh, totally uh, 
comatose, not able to even respond, and yet their spouse will be at their side every opportunity they get. They're getting nothing out of that relationship. They're not getting, it's not benefiting them anything. But you know what keeps them coming back? You know what keeps them squeezing that hand and kissing that forehead? You know what does it? It's a love that says, oh, I know you're not giving me anything, but that doesn't matter. I love you. And listen to me, church. You don't leave what you love. You don't leave what you love. So when somebody walks out, you know, just yesterday, someone sent me a link. Another, another man turned his back on the truth. Brother Goff, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's one reason why they do it. There's one reason. They never fell in love with it. They never fell in love with it. They enjoy the benefits, but they're not in love. Because when you're in love, when it's real love, nothing keeps you away. Nothing becomes more enticing when it's real love. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand tonight. And so add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, add knowledge and to knowledge add temperance and to temperance you need to add patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness but don't stop until you put the capstone on it all and you have that agape love burning deep in your heart Oh, let's lift our hands tonight. Come on, let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him.